being able to have access to credit change a whole lot for you because it gives you leverage for more opportunity for young people you can have access to credit to for education mm-hmm. you can't really point to so much around education finance in Nigeria like that mm-hmm. um a lot of young people want to buy a car you can they want to buy a house and all that but because there's no access to credit they're still f- financially excluded in that part right um average age around getting the house in Nigeria you can't even point to that because think about it how long will it take for you to even save to be able to buy a house hi i'm abisola adenoga the head of business at techpoint africa did you know that you could present yourself as a reputable brand leader did you know that your business can get the limelight it deserves now you do using techpoint africa's marketing tools we can put you in the faces of a large audience for brand awareness and thought leadership to do this Reach out to us by sending an email to business at techpoint.africa or click on the link in the description below. Hello guys, um, welcome to the TechPoint Africa podcast. My name is Tim Gosdream and with me here is Femi Romini, the CEO of Money Africa. And we are going to be having an interesting conversation on financial inclusion. We'll be focusing on Nigeria um yeah we're focusing on nigeria yeah, let me not give out too many details hello femi welcome hi Chingozo. Um, good to see you again yeah so um just a little housekeeping before we get started the world bank defines financial inclusion as um, the access that people have to useful and affordable financial services so whether that's savings payments um, insurance or lending so um, going, that's that's like what would guide our discussion. But do you have like a different definition of financial inclusion? Um, so I think uh, based on the def- uh, definition you uh, give, mm. or uh, stipulated by World Bank, uh, it captures the uh, key points as to what uh, financial inclusion um, should be. Um, also, it's one thing that you have access. Is another thing that it's uh, affordable. Mm-hmm. Is another thing that is uh, reasonable and also being it's being sustainable, right? So I think it's all encompassing. Uh, yeah, basically. All right. So um, one of the I think anybody who listens to the news frequently, especially if it's related to the CBN, would probably hear. And we are trying to drive financial inclusion. We had this space, and one of the people who, who spoke. He made a comment and he was like, we've been having this conversation for years and not much has changed. So why do we keep on having the conversation of financial inclusion? So let's start with that. How important is financial inclusion for a country like Nigeria or for Nigerians? So um, financial inclusion is actually the bedrock to um, building a thriving society, right? Uh, You think about it like being part of everybody's life, uh, daily life, right? So, think, for instance, um, you have a young lady that wants to start a business, right? Uh, the first level is being able to uh, have the resources or the uh, financial resources to be able to start the business, right? Yeah. So that come that creates the question like about how uh, will she have a, an account or is she going to take it as cash? 
or better still, how is she, even when she starts the business, how will she receive uh, um, yes. payment for the service, right? So, in a way, uh, the way our lives has evolved so far, there's so much that connects to financial inclusion around it, right? And when you're thinking about financial inclusion in faces, the first part is you talking about identity, right? Okay. Like, uh, the entry point is more like, how can I identify that you are who you say you are, right? And uh, that comes into play, like you're talking about things like BVN, it's the police by BCBN in Nigeria, right? And then um, when you look at the full spectrum, you start thinking around things like, what is the foundation to this? Being able to have a transaction account is actually the gateway to every other thing that has to do with financial uh, inclusion. It's when you have an account that you can actually you can actually talk about the fact that you can receive money, mm-hmm. uh, you can spend that money, uh, you can receive payment. Right? Before we now start the discussion around what is your financial history, mm-hmm. then you start thinking around uh, financial footprints. Uh, what is this, what is your uh, credit history, credit score? How will you have access to um, credit itself? And more importantly, can you move a lot further in the spectrum by being able to have that literacy to even invest, right? So by the time you combine all of this together, they play major roles in the way we live today, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, um, to a very large extent, having access to financial services can change a lot of people's lives. It's when you're able to receive that payment or make payments that you can call it a transaction. And more importantly, you can pay for your school fees. You can pay for your children's school fees. You can pay for your health. You can pay for goods as an individual. As a business, uh, you can explore more opportunities because you have an account, right? You can pay for goods and services both locally and internationally, right? Um, And when you take it a step further, in a country like Nigeria, where access to credit is still very low. People pay for everything upfront. I want to buy a car. I want to buy a house. Uh, a lot around mortgage is still not working because of credit as well. So when you think about that, if you're able to pass through the uh, spectrum of uh, having a transaction account, you move for that to being able to receive um, credit, uh, cash and all that, then being able to have access to credit change a whole lot for you because it gives you leverage for more opportunity. For young people, you can have access to credit to, for education. Mm-hmm. You can't really point to so much around education finance in Nigeria like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of young people want to buy a car. You can, they want to buy a house and all that. But because there's no access to credit, they're still financially excluded in that part, right? Um, Average age around getting the house in Nigeria, you can't even point to that. Because think about it, how long will it take for you to even save to be able to buy a house? But when you think about a lot of developed country, the leverage is there when it comes to access to credit, and it makes them to be able to make, um, to be able to have access to good things of life, to be able to plan ahead, and being able to actually kickstart their life 
while you're talking as an individual and more so as a business, right? The same thing pertains to uh, you starting a business in Nigeria. Um, a lot of even big businesses, they can't access credit. So in a way, we've gone, we've, we've done a whole lot. Government has done a whole lot. International development, they've done a whole lot when it comes to financial inclusion. Uh, but we still, have a, we still have a long way to go. But when you think around the importance, it's going to spur us to be able to do more. Okay. So um, building on that, um, what do you think are some of the reasons um, the financial inclusion growth has been very slow? I, I think it was probably 2015 or 2016 when CBN released that hammering on financial inclusion. But there has been very little growth on that end in the last, let's say, in the last decade. So what do you think have been um, the biggest challenges in making more Nigerians come into the financial system? So um, let's start with the entry point. Uh, for you to have a transaction account, that means you have to have, have the right documentation, right? Um, and when you think about that, it starts from what is my, how can I even identify myself, right? Is he leveraging on BVN or NIN or so? So in a way, one of the biggest challenges is having the right documentation to be able to have access to even initiate um, the first step in financial inclusion. Uh, the other part is uh, there's a huge um, gap in, in terms of learning, better still financial literacy. A good part of the population because of uh, the quality of education or the kind of education can not necessarily make informed decision around their finances or better still even the reason why they have to be financially included, right? And when you think around the population disparity from different region and all that, in a way, you get to see that you have to do a lot of localization or even decentralizing learning when it comes to financial literacy, right? So if we have the right access to financial education or we a lot of people are financially literate. They want to be included, right? Uh, another one is financial services or transaction most of the time. It sounds scary to most people that are not included. Uh, necessarily, most of these people, are, they don't have the means, right? And when you think about the transaction costs, it's a whole lot. I'm barely any 500 naira, and you're telling me to pay charges of about 50 naira, mm. right? It's dis it discouraged them to even be excluded. The next thing is, I'll rather keep my money under my pillow, or I'll rather just keep it myself, right? So that part is there as well. Another thing which still connects to the education or information is more around security. Often, when you get to see things around mobile application was hacked, uh, someone was using my account. For someone that is not included, mm. even without getting enough details, when they had things like this, they would not want to be included at all. Yeah. And it now goes down to the things around documentation. Like, okay, someone else can use another person's BVN. Uh, so many patterns when it comes to fraud. So, 
a lot of excluded people that are excluded now, the more they hear that, the more they want to just stay excluded. So if there's a cl- if there's clear awareness around why these things are happening, how can they protect themselves, it's going to actually help a lot, right? But really, those are more like the key pointers to the fact that, uh, to the reason why people are not necessarily included in Okay, so education, um, security, those are interesting points. So education is particularly important. I mean, less than less than sixty percent of Nigerians are, have any form of formal education, and that means you probably do not even know that there's something like a bank account in the first place for you to use. You probably do not know the benefit. I mean, um, some of what I know about the financial system, I either learned them in business studies class or accounting class, for example. So. Yeah, those are very, very important. And more so, general education is the first level, but mm-hmm. uh, we're not talking about financial literacy. Yeah. is another thing entirely. Uh, a, lot are, a lot of people might be educated, mm-hmm. but not financially literate. And it starts from the fact that maybe we've not uh, imbibed this into our everyday learning points. Not to now talk of the people that are not educated at all, for you to bring financial literacy to them mm-hmm. it just tells us that we still have a whole lot of work to do mm-hmm. okay. so i'm interested in the education part especially financial literacy partially because it's not um it doesn't always look like a business opportunity to teach people about their finances it's, it's not always a very like lucrative opportunity so how do you think we could increase financial literacy rates? Um, is this something that the government should be paying more attention to? Or is it something that maybe individuals or businesses can say, okay, um, in order for us to just drive adoption, we should focus on financial literacy? Um, so government can come in into or building the foundation for this. But for the private sector, I feel there's just a whole lot of opportunity when it comes to financial literacy, mm. right? Um, and being able to work with government is going to help a whole lot. So you start to think around it from the people that are not educated at all, considering the population, right? How do we get this kind of education to them? Uh, they don't have access to smartphones. Mm. Uh, what are the main touching points? So you talk about rural, um, rural locations across Nigeria, who do they listen to? Should we take it down to um, their village, uh, uh, what's it called, their leader, mm. and then localize it to their language? Create a model where women can actually teach other around financial literacy. Take it down to our religious centers. Being able to leverage on that. And I'm talking about people at the base of the pyramid. The access is not there. Now, if you now take it a step further, necessarily from your first, uh, you're talking about kids in their early years, mm. should be able to make it as part of their education that this is how money works. Mm. This is what they call stocks. This is how I can use the little I have to do this with different activities. And most when you think about the early years, it requires a lot of, it might require a lot of gamification. Yeah. A lot of them are actually glued to their to smartphone, to apps now. Mm. What if you design a model where um, 
they can end something, they can end it with reward mm. while teaching them financial literacy, um, while completing different tasks, right? And if you take it a step further, um, being able to organize different programs, not initiatives, sustainable program that is part of their curriculum, mm. it goes a long way. I'm not really a big fan of we organize a seminar, we organize yeah, one-off. One-off, no. We take it down to how our education was designed such that we create something sustainable across different levels of the education, right? Uh, now think around you starting from the early on to know how you do you manage, um, what's it called? How do you manage your finances? And then you're able to take it further to your uh, uni. And even while in the university, it's still part of it. Uh, there's a lot of peer learning, group-based learning, around learning man, uh, financial literacy. We're going to build a better society. We're going to build a society that is well-informed. Uh, more so, uh, we'll make prosperity more accessible to a lot of people. Uh, the fact that a lot of young people don't have that guidance, it makes it really hard for them to make uh, informed decisions, mm. basically. Okay. So there's this um, recurring argument that one of the reasons, or people, some people say is the major reason why there are a lot of financially excluded individuals in Nigeria is poverty. So what what's the link between poverty and financial inclusion? So uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, for someone, okay, for a farmer that barely earns about 2,000 naira selling cassava, mm -hmm. right? The reality is being financially excluded or included is secondary to him than surviving. Yeah. You s you're going to save money when you have. Mm -hmm. if, you ha if you don't have enough, such that the little you have is meant for food, for shelter, it's really, it will really be hard. So when it comes to things around financial inclusion, we don't leave us at financial empowerment as well. Mm. If people are financially empowered, part of empowerment is their education, part of empowerment is the fact that how do you make more legally, right? So in a way, it drills down to that, right? Um, and the other part is the more people are not financially included, the more they get poorer. Because that exclusion keeps making it really hard for them to assess the opportunity that are linked to being financially included. It's when you have an account that you can receive money. If you don't have an account, you can't. You can't do more than the cash you're doing. It's when you have an account that you can actually say you have a transaction issue, issue that you can use to assess credit. Think about that same farmer. Like the first case is, I feel I don't have enough. I'd rather co just keep my money under the mattress, right? Mm -hmm. But I have that awareness that I have to be financially included. Then I take the first step. I'm trying to talk about the journey. Yeah to be included and do more. So I got that awareness, maybe from my friend that, ah, Shola, Adejide, why can't you, this is the reason why you need to have an account, right? 
I was able to open the account. And after then, I started receiving money with the account. At the point, I going to, I'm going to have that clarity that as a farmer, there's this program by this bank or this institution that provides inputs or uh, financing for farmers. Because I have an account, it makes me qualified to actually have access to this. And that's another phase, which is more like credit, mm. right? Um, with that, I can even take it a step further because I'm, financi I'm, I'm financially included. You can start talking about things like uh, insurance, uh, HMO, um, investment. Whereas I can have a better plan to take my family out of poverty, right? Mm -hmm. So being financially included, it's going to do a lot more in terms of removing a lot of people from poverty. Okay. All right. So um, my next question would be around the role of governments. Um, a lot of development won't happen without governments either stepping in or just aiding the people that are on the field. So what do you think is the role of the government in driving financial inclusion just beyond making, um, may maybe putting out a press release that this is what you want, what is the role, what can, like active steps that the government can do to drive financial inclusion? Yeah, so when you talk about this press release, they are good, <laughs> but um, one of the biggest role is being able to create beyond the press release, like policies, that are clear, not complicated, and well planned out, right? Mm. Based on my ex experience traveling across, in a way we're trying, but just need to do a whole lot more. So the biggest part is being able to create an enabling environment for the people that are providing services for financial inclusion to thrive, to grow, right? This policy will support them, will enable them to write, have a conducive environment to grow their business, to be able to provide more opportunities for people. Uh, imagine uh, things around uh, having access to cards, account. It goes a long way, right? So the other part is creating a very healthy environment for financial services institution to actually compete, healthy health environment to compete and to, to create something that is actually sustainable and that drills down to the kind of policy where are uh, pushing out also the biggest one is more like uh, strengthening the infrastructure that um, enables financial inclusion for instance uh, there's credit bureau right but we can still do a whole lot more with the credit bureau in a way you still have a lot of people that they don't actually have any record you can't get any data on them when you get to credit bureau. And when you think about things like this, having data in silos, having identities in silos will not help. Being able to create an holistic, centralized platform that houses data about people will make it easier for financial institution to be able to provide services. I'm, an H um, I'm a credit company, I want to provide this it's hard for me to connect different data points together, right? Without that, I really don't have that protection. I don't have that enthusiasm to be able to uh, provide the services, right? So the biggest one for me is actually around the infrastructure, right? So 
Yeah, pretty much. That, those are my thoughts. Okay. Infrastructure. All right. I hope the government is paying attention and they'll get around to doing that. So the next question would be um, how technology and specifically fintech startups can improve financial inclusion rates. Um, so I feel fintech or tech-driven financial services platform, yeah, we've come a long way in enabling financial inclusion. I feel one of the major missing points is actually around security, right? Okay. Um, it makes it scary to actually be financially included, like I mentioned. Now, being able to strengthen or even better provide um, good security around um, the platforms that we're building or the products, it makes it more interesting to be for people to be financially included. And it's not dependent on the fintechs or uh, what's it called, the um, financial services companies alone. You still have a bit of government as well. But the biggest thing we can do for ourselves is financial services co uh, companies being able to uh, collaborate together to actually combat um, um, insecurity around platforms or fraud basically right mm -hmm. uh, and then with getting input from the regular and I know a lot of work is going into that already yeah. so when it comes to fintechs in Nigeria we're always very upfront right uh, the other part is being able to design products not because it's working in a developed country but or better so just taking products the way it works in a developing country dumping in the same way being able to localize products to the problem we have here to our culture to our way of life is really important it makes it more attractive more accessible to people those are okay so at money at money africa um how do you think about financial inclusions what, what, what are some of the things that you do to improve financial inclusion um, for the people that you serve so uh, when we're setting up money, one of the things that actually propped us so is the fact that uh, small businesses are actually the major drivers of economy mm. in a place like Nigeria. Uh, they employ over 80%. They create over 80% of the jobs, right? Mm. And while intention, while it was not deliberately that we set out that we want to provide loans to small businesses as a backstory, right? But it was clear to us that when I'm able to give provide financing to his small businesses. That means an, an, an enabling additional 10 people that are working with that small businesses. Yeah. And enabling that business to be able to provide more services to the consumer, right? So in a way, when we think about that, the biggest thing for us is small businesses. How can we support them? And that's spurs to ask the question, how can you provide credits sustainably to small businesses, right? Often, a lot of uh, financial services companies try to avoid it because still based on the financial inclusion we're talking about, uh, data, access to data, or better so the data is fragmented, right? Um, for you to get credit, uh, data from credit bureau about a particular business, is that and sometimes some of these businesses, they don't necessarily have an account, right? Mm -hmm. 
and the other parties, because uh, the system around being able to provide credit or create infrastructure for credit is not strengthened well, there's no sense of recourse around the fact that if I take a loan today that cannot pay, I can just get away with it. The worst that uh, the bad lenders can do is they're going to send a message to a firm, which is a very bad practice, right? Mm. Once we get to that point to be able to provide access to credit, no. So those were some of the challenges we talked about when we're starting out money like It's really hard to provide a lot of small businesses without access to data, without thinking around the sense of around recourse that if they default, what are we going to do? Mm. And like I mentioned, that... That took us back to be able to create an homegrown solution from what people, the way people live, right? And that sense of concept of community propped up that in this part of the world, the way we live is actually around communities. Um, you're getting married, is more like a community thing. They're going to pick a shwebi. Um, you are naming your child. There's always that thing around, I want to be part of this. I want to be I want to be among, I don't want to be left out. And when we talked about it, that this is how people live, right? Our thinking is, how can we actually build a product around us? Or better still, we saw a model where we're providing loans to some small businesses, like five of them, and they created a WhatsApp group. They were accountable to each other, right? We learned from that that creating a WhatsApp group is actually a form of community already. Right? So we learn from that. And the other part is, if we take it a step further, when you have a community, there's a common interest. And for this, the common interest is, we're small businesses, we don't have access to credit. We are intentional about growing our business. Right? So, how do we make sure we're accountable to each other? So the other part is, can we create a sense of recourse where your bad behavior affects every other person? <laughs> Some people say that's unfair. It's it's unfair when you're working with the wrong person. It makes you to be intentional about who we are coming with. Yeah. Because it's a community. It makes it creates that sense of collaboration. We've seen it in our we've seen it with our numbers. Like you get people to be of good behavior without blood game uh, uh, shaming them, name, name calling them or anything. So they correct each other, they support each other. It even makes them to be responsible. And that was what we learned, that a lot of the small businesses that were necessarily financially excluded because they can't access credit, were able to create a model that makes them to have access to credit, leveraging on communities, right? And uh, with that, we supported over 10,000 businesses across three countries. Uh, Nigeria, Benin Republic, and Guinea Conakry. And what we've learned is the fact that the community model, that sense around community, that is a social um, way of life for us in this part of the world, is similar across these three countries, right? And consistently being able to provide to these 10,000 businesses, uh, we've disbursed over $30 million worth of loan. And the biggest lesson for us is often a lot of um, financial institutions 
the reason why they charge high interest and all that is actually to de-risk the fact that I don't have clear data about mm. these people. But with the model we're using, we're able to create a balance between the unit economics of these small businesses and being able to provide um, loan for them at a decent interest and consistently with over 30,000 loan that we've disbursed, we've achieved 99% repayment consistently. Mm. It means there's still some good businesses out there. It's mm. not all bad news. So uh, at the top of this is the fact that businesses that were excluded before financially without having access to credit, we're able to design a model that works because of their culture or their way of life to be able to help them grow their business. And on the average, these businesses, they're growing really, they're growing very fast. Uh, average of 30% month on month, uh, creating more opportunities, employing more people, just changing lives. It's, it's interesting. All right. So um, thank you so much, Femi. I think that has been an interesting one on financial inclusion and how Nigeria could get to improving some of, um, improving the rates and hopefully um, improving the prosperity rates or just getting more people to like have a better quality of life. So thank you so much for coming. Thank so, you yeah, um, Thank you so much, guys, for staying with us. I, that, that was not very long. But hopefully you picked out one or two really interesting or important things that you could use. And um, just before you go, I'd like to encourage you to like, subscribe. So the thing is, when you like, you're helping other people discover it in case you think it's just you being nice. So you're helping other people discover the nice video you watch. And you're also helping us grow. So thank you so much for liking, subscribing, and sharing it on all your social media platforms. Until I call your way next time, as they say, this is goodbye. So, bye.